It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And the millennial man is Jared Patel of Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan and Fat Stack Sports. Comments and questions can be sent by email to 3 Pod at gmail.com or hit them up on social media at 3 Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500-square-foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. You'll do better with Sheridan. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our community. They're not tied into an out-of-state corporation or their board of directors. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. The top priority is caring for our friends and neighbors, being right there when you need them most. With unique service to represent unique lives in mid-Michigan, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. The business started in 1880 and continues the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, see them on the web at nelsonhouse.com or call them at 989-723-5234. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your larger, small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Welcome to Three Point Podcast, episode 151 in the first pod of 2021. Good riddance 2020 is gone. Our special partners include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5, The Castle. The trio, as always, includes the young buck, Jared Fattel. Our middleman is Matt Burns of ESPN on the phone from North Carolina, and I'm the grumpy old guy, Ted Fattel. Give us a follow on social media at 3 Point Pod, and also check out the free app, Locker Room. We use that pretty much every week, and we'll have a great locker room chat on college football. Before we get rolling on the podcast, fellas, though, this is our first pod of 2021 like i mentioned and uh, we made it through a holiday covid style how'd it go for you guys it went good for me christmas day was a little bit weird uh with both my brothers in arizona and just uh, me my mom and my dad our christmas was basically over within the matter of three or four minutes because i got the apple watch and that was one of maybe four gifts that i got that and a toothbrush <laughs> so we were over pretty quick uh, <laughs> and then Oh, just to brush my teeth, you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I do have a dentist appointment uh, uh, coming up pretty quick here. I'm a little bit nervous about, but we'll worry about that when the time comes. 
Uh, but other than that, New Year's Eve, on the other hand, was pretty good. I will say this. It's, it's a couple of firsts on New Year's Eve. It's the first time I've actually watched the ball drop ceremony, which I was reminded why I never watched that in the first place. <laughs> the fact that people, you guys sit there, a crowd around the TV and watch that is freaking hilarious. The only positive was Andy Cohen. That guy's kind of funny. I do appreciate him. Uh, and then I had my first New Year's kiss, which was uh, pretty good, I guess. Uh, I could, It was a good kiss compared to other kisses, but... Other than that, pretty much uneventful holiday uh, due to COVID. Yeah, kind of along the same lines. You know, we, we stuck around at home, didn't, didn't travel back to Michigan or over to Tennessee to see family. We just we just stayed home. So, you know, my daughter, she's she's five. So I know, Ted, you remember, you know, at that age. Oh, yeah. We all remember, you know, being that young in Christmas. My daughter is just, like, all about Christmas. I mean, yeah. she was all <laughs> about putting the milk and cookies out and – she was like examining our chimney, you know, for Santa to come down. And she woke up and she ran by her presents on Christmas morning and just wanted to see if Santa ate the cookies. She was so excited about that. So that, that was really cool. You know, as a, as a parent, seeing, seeing Christmas through her eyes was, was really cool to see. Um, you know, and then we did the, I'm, I'm sure you guys did, you know, FaceTiming people and, and doing all that to see our family. So, you know, whatever, made the best of it, but it was really good. But yeah, New Year's. I was going to ask if, you know, I knew Jared, you know, you got the girlfriend now, if you, like, actually stayed up and had a little party or something like that. I, I know what you're saying, the, the ball drop thing, I've watched it, for, I mean, probably every year for a while. <laughs> but I don't know if I, I don't, like, sit and watch it. It's always, like, background. Yeah. You know, like, either whether it's a party and, you know, you're hanging out and it's on in the background. Or, like, my wife and I, we like to play games on New Year's. So we'll be sitting there, like, playing games, having drinks, and that's on in the background. Because sometimes there's good musical acts, you know, like J-Lo. Or, you know, there's, like, Nelly. Nelly performed on one of them this year. So, you know, it's kind of, like, cool background stuff. But it was different this year. I, I did – I was wondering with the whole COVID stuff, you know, usually Times Square is packed. I was curious how it would be. And, you know, they pulled it off. It was still cool. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to sit there and, like, watch it intently like it's a movie. What cracked me up is they had, like, the – inflatable tube man guys like on the street like just absolutely bizarro really no other way to describe that but it yeah it was funny i'll another thing that kind of cracked me up about the holidays was just the fact that there's really nowhere to go there's nothing to do new year's eve you're just in your house it's it just felt like another day really and christmas day yeah you had the christmas morning and stuff the thing that i want to ask you matt is how did you do the cookies did you eat eat them or did you just toss them out? Did, quote-unquote, Santa actually eat them? What did you do with them? Well, that, that's what's kind of funny is because because it was just my wife and I at home and, and my daughter, my wife, you know, they she still made Christmas cookies, you know, like every year. But, like, I don't, I don't know, like the baking stuff. She said, like, the recipe always calls for, like, 30 or whatever, 40 cookies. So she still made that. But it was just us. Yeah. So <laughs> I was, like, eating cookies for, like, five days. So, like, the ones that we put out for Santa, like, yeah, normally I would just eat them. But I was like, I'm not eating these things. I, like, I can't eat anymore. But we were like, we can't put them back in the box because my daughter will see them and be like, because she specifically picked out the ones yeah, she wanted Santa. Santa. So she was like, I, we can't just put them back in the box. So we did. We I, I threw them away. I, wow. I crumbled up some crumbs, <laughs> on the, on, left them on the plate, you know, and, like, poured the milk out or whatever. But. Yeah, we just we threw them in the trash because I I felt like I was eating cookies for for five days. But you know, you, you do what you got to do. I don't, Ted. You oh know, yeah, you remember cr- those days? You do what you got to do. Well, yeah, you, I absolutely. Gonna ask, I was going to ask you, Ted. I know you're going to talk about that, but you remember the Dick Clark days? I can't imagine like when the Dick Clark 
New Year's show, that was probably like a huge deal. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, as a matter of fact, because back when Dick Clark was around and still in his prime, I mean, it was must-see TV. It's kind of evolved now to all the major uh, entertainment acts, like you mentioned, J-Lo. But, Jared, you talked about the CNN coverage, and I, I, I think CNN with Anderson Cooper uh, may be the go-to network to watch for, for New Year's Eve. <laughs> I mean, Anderson Cooper giggling like a little kid, just drunk on his ass. Uh, Snoop Dogg, I mean, was talking about smoking weed with him. I mean, it was it was pretty hilarious, from what I understand. I'll I'll, I'll give full disclosure here. This is definitely an old guy comment. My wife went to bed about ten thirty, and I only made it to about eleven fifteen. So I I didn't see it actually come in. I said I'll see I'll, I'll know it's twenty twenty one the next morning. But you know you Matt you talked about your daughter five years old. What a perfect age to celebrate Christmas morning. We were fortunate enough to be able to go out to uh, the Washington D.C. area this year. You know we were very safe. We just visited um, my daughter and the oldest granddaughter. She's two and a half and did the whole cookie thing as well. It was it was they the way they did it was a half eaten cookie. And the glass of milk got drank completely. So that's that's what she woke up to and saw that and then all the presents. But I don't know how, how your daughter does it, and I know how most kids do. When they see all those presents under the tree, it's pretty much mayhem, ripping through them, then going to the next one, then going to the next one. Harper, I was amazed. She'd open up a present, and she'd play with it for a little bit, and then go on to the next one. It was kind of like a three- or four-hour oh my production. <laughs> That's it's awesome. Shocking, that's aw- that's awesome for the kid, but probably after the first hour, you maybe were a little bit sick of it. I would guess, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe that's a little harsh. But uh, we were thinking, okay, let's move this thing <laughs> on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't necessarily that long. She would, you know, examine what it was, but she was definitely all about even like giving us our presents to open. She was all she's all about watching people or herself open the presents. But yeah, you you could definitely. I mean, I grew up in a family of six. I mean, Jared, you grew up in, I mean, we all kind of had big families. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those, the, the Christmas mornings, they can go on for a good two or three hours if, if you take your time. That is true. And now when you were young, do you remember, did you, like with a big family, was it like one gift at a time? One kid would open up a gift, then it'd go to the next kid to open up a gift. Is that how you did it? You piled the presents in front of yourself? That's how. That's how we always did it. It, it cracks me up, and I have friends where I have one specific friend, his name is Josh, where he literally has so many presents uh, to open up on Christmas between him and his brother and sister, they have to take, like, a half time. <laughs> like, it, it takes all day to open up. The, and he'll tell me, like, yeah, like, we went through, like, I, don't, I haven't even opened up all my Chris, pr- Christmas presents yet, and it's, like, December 26th. <laughs> like, that's crazy to me. It, when I was a kid, it was not, oh, I'm going to open up one and play with it. No, it's I'm going to open it, and then I'm literally just waiting to open, it up, open up my next one. <laughs> Opening up a present is a top probably five feeling in your life yeah it's it's even if it's a pair of socks underneath it it's just there's something about open it it could be anything that is just it's it's incredible the the the, like mystery of opening the present is so cool but i've i've moved on to and i was like jared you you finally you talked about you finally buying presents for your girlfriend giving a present i'm not trying to be like all sentimental like it's the season of giving you know it is you know i understand that but like giving that when you buy that like golden present that, you know, you're just like, man, this this is the one. Home run. That's yeah. also really cool. When you have that one that you've had wrapped for three weeks and you finally give it to, you know, your wife yeah. or whoever it is, and they open it up, that's also pretty cool. So did you have any of those or, 
wonder where your gift kind of duds. It's truly better, actually. No, my gift, yeah, so yeah. me and uh, my girlfriend opened them up on Christmas Eve, and I'll just say this, made her cry. So I would say home run gift. Well, I guess so. <laughs> you going to reveal what it was, or are you going to keep was, that to yourself? It was, um, so this, I'll just I'll say it. I guess it doesn't really matter. It was, we went on our first date back on August 28th, and when we went, I got, like, a parking pass because we went to Flint, and you had to park, and I kept the ticket. So I had the ticket, and I just put a couple pictures of us in, like, a picture frame, and it's just a home run gift. No other way to put it. Oh, that's classic. I got to give you kudos for that one. That, that is <laughs> no, that, that's that bonafide. Is, that's Rico Suave stuff right there. And that's the thing. Like, those, those are the gifts, right? When tears come out, you, you know you hit the home run, and you learn quick. See, yeah, you could go buy your girlfriend a, a $400 Apple Watch. That's cool. But it's the ones where you just save the parking pass and put a couple pictures in a picture frame. Those are the ones that are memorable. Yep. I got I got a dog on my brother George for just a second. Back, I just it just flashed in my mind. <laughs> oh God! Back in the day, uh, you know, we'd give presents to our parents, of course, and uh, I'll never forget uh, my dad opening it up uh, like a flexible golf bag from George. My dad never golfed a day in his life. It was a golf bag. There was no golf clubs, just a golf bag. Kind of, I think. Wanting him to maybe take up the game of golf, I guess, but that came out of nowhere. <laughs> he never did, did he? Has he ever golfed in his life? No, never has. Uh, I do want to. I'll, I'll just end my part of this segment I, a little bit sentimental. Uh, you know, this this last year was pretty tough for everybody, all our listeners, everybody out there in this country and the world, as a matter of fact, with COVID nineteen. Well. One of the coolest things that that we had a chance to do before we headed out to D.C., we headed out there on Christmas Eve morning and was there in the afternoon and was able to see Harper open up all her presents, like I mentioned. But before we took off, we got a chance to see my my wife's brother, my brother-in-law, Mark, in person for the first time since March. Oh, I Uh, didn't know that. Yeah, he's in a he's in a nursing home in in the durand area we we saw him through the window a couple times but it's the first time in person we were actually allowed in we had to go through a quick covid test uh the day before you know we got the results that were negative so we were allowed to see him for an hour or so and you know that kind of set the stage to really a a, a good christmas start yeah no that that definitely is uh, I'm, i'm sure that was pretty emotional too and yeah i mean it's great to to see 2020 come to a close because it was a, it was a tough year. So, you know, we're thankful for everything that we were able to do, but it is tough to think about some of those things. So, hopefully, man, hopefully as the calendar turns, uh, other things start to turn around too. Amen. Well, we'll get into uh, one of the positives of 2020. They were able to continue the football, the college football season, and we'll go in the locker room for that. But before we get to that, just want to tell you about some friends, and they include Success Group Mortgage and Servicing. They're a mortgage and land contract services company that focuses on your success. The home financing team has over 25 years experience in the origination of all types of loans. Led by Jim Woodworth, Success Group Mortgage provides one-on-one service with a personal touch. You're not lost in the crowd like working with a mega-sized bank. Every transaction is giving complete attention from beginning to end. Located in Owasso, call today for an appointment at 989-720-4380 or find out more info on the web at successgroupmortgage.com. Also helping us out, Advanced Elevator Company. They have the very best trained professional Field technicians and project management for installation and troubleshooting and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest, conveniently located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso. The Janka family, they're huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools, Advanced Elevator, an area business leader and a proud member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce. Also, Hankard Sportswear, that team provides 
all kinds of great values. The area's go-to clothing and more printing business, many loyal customers. They do it by providing a 100% guarantee to satisfy your expectations. Hankard Sportswear always has Owasso, Corona, and St. Paul school spirit items in stock. Find them in downtown Owasso or follow them on Facebook at hankard.sportswear. So the college football playoff, I guess we can just start there as far as our college football talk goes. Let's start right with the college football playoff. I know before, now it's been a couple weeks ago, but before the playoff was announced, I think we were all on board with, after seeing Notre Dame just get run off the field by Clemson in the ACC championship, we were on board with putting Texas A&M in over Notre Dame. And of course, obviously now we know Notre Dame got put in. And they got to play Alabama, and Alabama just boat raced them in the semifinal. So, I mean, that was kind of maybe what we were expecting as far as our expectations with that game. So maybe we can leave that to the side. But that Ohio State game, I don't know what you guys thought, but I, I, it's, it's well known that I am not a Dabo Sweeney fan. So I was just absolutely loving that for a team and a coach to make me actually root for Ohio State. That just, like, that says a lot. I now want Ohio State to get smoked by Alabama. But watching Ohio State in that game, that, that was incredibly incredibly impressive. I can't stand the Buckeyes. But even you, Ted, you hate the Buckeyes. But they played a hell of a game. That was impressive. Yeah, yeah I was going to just jump in there real quick because, you know, you, along with all with both of us, you know, we're all Michigan fans. And you've, I think you saw my tweet. It doesn't disappoint me whatsoever that Ohio State beat Clemson. But me for to get flat out there and root for them, that ain't ever gonna happen. <laughs> I think that's fake. I think that when they started, when the game was going back and forth, and Justin Fields is loading up like seventy-five yard bombs, you were rooting for Ohio State. I don't know how you couldn't. The entire country was behind Ohio State. I think for a few reasons. One, the most obvious is I think everyone kind of hates Dabo Sweeney, and the reason that like why is it that. I never hated the Patriots. I love their dynasty. I, I love the I love Bama. I love their dynasty. It's because they don't do like what Dabo does, which is basically rub it in your face and and like they they feel the need to become like the czar of college football, which for some reason he has done. And no one needs to hear your comments. No one needs to know why you're ranking Ohio State eleventh. Basically, <laughs> what we learned from the bowl season is that the ACC, if they had played a schedule playing teams outside of other conferences, they probably maybe maybe wouldn't have even had a team in because they went over. So they're terrible in terms. Of, and then the other thing that, they, that Ohio State had going for them is the fatigue. I'm so sick of Clemson, Alabama. I, I never thought I would say that because it's usually always a great game, but I am just so over the Clemson versus Alabama matchup that we get pretty much every single year, the last 10 years. I'm so glad that we're done with that. I'm glad that it's Ohio State versus Alabama. And it's just some new blood in the championship game. Yeah. I think that's definitely part of the whole college football playoff discussion is just the fatigue of the same four or five teams every year. And, you know, if, yeah, if we would have saw Clemson, Alabama again, it probably would have been a fun game. I mean, Ohio state ran them off the field, but Clemson is still a really good team. So Clemson, Alabama, it probably would have been a fun game, but it is nice to see a different matchup, even though that different matchup is just Alabama, Ohio state. So it's kind of, it's just uh it, it's like the same cycle of the same great teams in college football. But do you guys think that, the Buckeyes, I mean, all season, it's basically been, you know, Clemson was kind of back and forth because Trevor Lawrence was out a little bit, but we always knew Clemson was good. But otherwise, it's been Alabama. Alabama's been the team basically this whole season. And I don't know about you guys, but again, I do not want 
to see Ohio State win another national championship. But if they play the way that they did the other night, I think they have a legitimate shot to beat Alabama because Justin Fields, like you said, Jared, he was just he was dropping bombs, throwing 50, 60 yard bombs on a dime against a really good Clemson defense. Do you think the Buckeyes can actually can can beat Alabama? I, I think so. I, it's Alabama is so damn good. It, and that's almost a discussion for a number of time is just how college football, it kind of dawned on me how almost ruined it is. It's, it's a two team race every year and Bama. And then you look at the comparison of like recruits where everyone's, everyone was shitting on Notre Dame when they lost, but then you look at it, they've gotten like two five-star recruits. Alabama has 22. It's like, there's no way for Brian. Everyone wants to, to get mad at Brian Kelly and say, Oh, Notre Dame doesn't belong in here. There is no team in that four spot that would have been able to compete with Alabama. So yeah. we need to just stop like shitting on Notre Dame right then and there. They, it wasn't their fault that they were the fourth best team in the country. Yeah, and then, you're, you're exactly right. And then in terms of Ohio State Bama, I don't see I'm mean, we've seen it in the past where Ohio State can play with Alabama. They are not scared of them whatsoever. If you're not scared of Clemson, you're not going to be scared of Alabama. I know Alabama is probably a lot better than them this year. But Ohio State has the athletes that Notre Dame just flat out did not have where it's not going to be Devontae Smith literally doing whatever he wants on the field. They're going to have something for him. Yeah, I have a comment on the matchup. And before I get to that, though, I will say one more time. I think in that uh, Clemson-Ohio State game, I hated Clemson a little bit more than Ohio State. I didn't <laughs> like either one of them. How do you like that? But yeah, yeah. Dabo Sweeney's a clown. But uh, you know, look at, look at it this way guys you know in football of course you got 22 players you know 11 on each side of the ball but you compare it kind of to an NBA matchup you know when you get to the NBA finals almost every single year you got your big three on each team that's in the finals and you look at Alabama at the quarterback spot at the wide receiver spot uh you know uh, they're just they're, they're dominant in Ohio State the same thing quarterback and wide receiver and you know the other players obviously a big impact as well. But you look at those star players, this should be a great championship game. No, it should be. And I think Jared, your point that Ohio state, I mean, because a lot of times it's been, you know, in the sec, Auburn is really good. LSU has been really good. Uh, Texas A&M is really good. Georgia, but they don't necessarily at every position have guys who can match up with Alabama. And I honestly think Ohio state does. I mean, we, we see Ohio state just, basically you know trash every big 10 team almost we've we've been seeing them just blow out michigan for however many years i think ohio state does have the the athletes at least you know whether whether it actually happens on the field you know who knows but they have the guys who can actually match up with yeah Devonte smith and Najee harris and stuff like that so so we'll see but do we, i was going to ask you guys so I've, I've seen some people talking about like recruiting and as far as expanding the college football playoff goes do we think that like We've talked about we, – we're all on board with expanding the college football playoff. But do we think that if you expand the playoff to 18, 16 teams, you know, whatever, that that would actually help the recruiting pitcher as far as, you know, some guys might go to a Cincinnati even. Or some guys might – you know, a guy that might go to um, – might, might be thinking Alabama might actually go to Auburn because some of these other schools will actually have a chance to make the playoff. Do you know what I'm kind of getting at? Like – when it's the same four or five teams always making the four-team playoff, the big-time recruits that want to play for a national title, they're going to go to those schools all the time. They're always going to go to Oklahoma or whatever instead of going to an Iowa State. But if you expand the playoff and more teams have a chance to make the playoff, you think that would even out the recruiting picture? 
I, I think it would just a little bit. But how – if let's say that you are a stud wide receiver. How can you look at Alabama, which is wide receiver you, and then look at a team like – I'm just going to say Michigan because it seems like they're like a top ten type of program. And then you look at Michigan where they bring in a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is the number one wide receiver in the country ahead of guys like – and maybe it was just a like the rankings are never always 100% correct. But you would you have to think that if Donovan Peoples Jones goes to Alabama and he's in the same room as Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, all these guys, he would be a lot better than what we saw at Michigan, which was basically an average wide receiver and almost like against Ohio State in the big games he never really showed. So I don't understand how as long as that is the case where it just seems like players are getting developed at a whole nother level at places like Clemson and Alabama, I don't think the recruiting is going to change very much. Well, don't you think, though, that uh, college football, even though the NCAA has shown they don't really understand a lot of things, but don't you think college football understands that it cannot go on like this with Clemson and, uh, you know, uh, Alabama at the top all the time? you got to have some sort of excitement created at the end of the year. And I think another argument, along with the recruiting, is – you know, you get some of these star players that don't want to play in some meaningless bowl game, but they might stick around for a national championship playoff. Yeah. Here's the thing with the recruiting is, is it really going to lure in many recruits when the first few years that it's an 18 playoff and probably maybe forever, it's just going to be Alabama drubbing the eight seed by probably 40 points. Like, is that going to draw recruits to Michigan or to Wisconsin or Texas A&M or wherever? Like, I don't think it will. It, I mean, yeah, I, I get your point, but the thing is that, that I always see about that, like when I see people say, well, Alabama would just beat Cincinnati by 30 or 40, or if, say, Coastal Carolina slipped in, yeah, but they're beating Notre Dame by 30 or 42, so so why, why not get some other teams in there, at least make some matchups fun? I was thinking about it when watching what made me kind of think of this, too, when watching the uh, the semifinal with Ohio State, their backup running back that came in there for a little bit, I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now, but he came in for, like, spot duty in the game, and started just getting like seven, eight-yard runs over and over. And they said he was kind of a smaller recruit, three like a three-star recruit from Cincinnati. And I just thought like, okay, obviously in Ohio, the, the you want to go to Ohio State. If you're a kid in Ohio, you probably want to go to Ohio State. But if Cincinnati, you know, if Luke Fickle's there and he's got a strong program and there's actually a legitimate shot for Cincinnati to make the college football playoff, don't you think a kid from Cincinnati might think more about going to Cincinnati, or is he looking at uh, my only chance to play in a national title game is if I go to Ohio State? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, that's where I think some of that stuff might come in. Am I the only one? I agree with what you're saying, like in theory, but am I the only one that's kind of sick of these group of five teams who are always clamoring for the shot in the college football playoff when every single, like, just like Cincinnati, they blow it in these games against like second or third, like the second or third best teams in like these power five conferences? Like, they can't even win those games. So why is it that we think that they should be catapulted into the college football playoff all of a sudden? I I don't understand the argument. Well, why not? They didn't pick up the win, but they played Georgia, who's always a tough team in the SEC, played them extremely tough. You look at another team like Iowa State, you know, uh, they take on Oregon, which is, yeah, they were down this year, but parentally a pretty powerful team. Why, why not give these guys a chance? Why do you just take it for granted that the number eight against number one is going to be an automatic blowout? Something, sometimes, you know, strange things do happen. Okay. Yeah. The one, one time out of 50 years. I mean, would you rather watch that or you'd rather watch some 
Poland Weed Eaters Bowl or something, you know? Okay, would you would you <laughs> rather watch would you rather watch a regular season game Michigan Ohio State, let's say they're both undefeated with the college football playoff on the line, or would you rather have that game really mean nothing where they're just playing for I don't even know, bragging rights just so that they can go go into the college football playoff anyway. That well, like, Georgia in the college playoff, Georgia Alabama does not matter. Georgia Florida in the SEC championship really doesn't matter. It is just like that's what you you lose on the front end. You, you lose a little bit on that, I don't think you lose that much. You think you got an undefeated Michigan against an undefeated Ohio State, which will only happen in our dreams for a while, it sounds like. <laughs> I mean, Michigan would have got beat 80 to nothing by this Buckeye team. <laughs> but but you, you lose a little bit. I'll give you that. But I don't think you ultimately lose the whole feel of it. And it's like a brand new season starting in the playoffs. Michigan would get a chance to redeem themselves if they lost to the Buckeyes possibly. I don't know. I don't see, I I see more positives by adding teams into the playoffs than staying where we're at. I think it's completely stagnant right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think I saw Trey, I think it was Trey Wingo tweeted out either last night or maybe it was early this morning. Uh, he, it was along the lines of coming into this weekend's NFL games I think it was 18 teams have a shot to make the playoffs. And we all know that in the NFL, all you got to do is make the playoffs. And obviously there's favorites, you know, like the Chiefs or the Patriots back in the day, but just make the playoffs and you have a legitimate shot to uh, to win the Super Bowl. 18 teams coming into the final weekend. There's no way you can say that about college football right now. By midseason, you're basically dwindled down to maybe six or seven, eight teams that have a legitimate shot with the current format. So, I mean, I think that's something to think about. And, I just and wild card teams have won the Super Bowl. R- yep. Rarely. That's a very, that's it's very happened. rare. Very rare. But I don't think there's any way to fix college football until Nick Saban leaves. There really isn't. I, I, how do you even stop Nick Saban? It doesn't matter what coaches <laughs> are there. It doesn't matter what players are there. Every year, they are head and shoulders above everybody else. Unless injuries, or like even like last year when they lost to LSU, because Tua couldn't even throw the ball, and he still almost beat LSU. Yeah, but maybe, but you know, maybe expanding the playoff would help level the playing field a little bit. I guess you know, maybe you know, Michigan is getting somehow. Michigan is still getting really strong recruiting classes, and if we know that you could get into the playoff with one or maybe even two losses, if it's eight or sixteen teams. Maybe a couple of recruits that were going to go to Ohio State, maybe they do go go to Michigan or something like that. You know, I just think maybe expanding the playoff could level the playing field a little bit. Um, I, I just want to mention uh, Justin Rowe. He's down in the in the discussion. One of our friends from the Blue by Ninety podcast. Uh, he he was on board with you, Jared, talking basically saying that Alabama, when they get those big recruits, like you you were mentioning, uh, Donovan Peoples Jones, Alabama gets all those recruits and maximizes their talent gets them the ball. I mean, they get a guy like Najee Harris and he's going to be a Heisman candidate. And we wonder if Najee Harris would have actually come to Michigan, would he even be getting 20 carries a game? You know, so that that's always a big point. And then, and then what else I was going to read what he said about, uh, Oh, about expanding the playoff. And yeah, what we were talking about, expand the playoff and, you know, in college basketball, we do see those upsets. We did finally see a 16 seed beat a number one seed in the in the NCAA tournament. So yeah, it might not happen every year, but that one year that Cincinnati upsets Alabama, it would be pretty fun. Well, I mean, would it happen every year? No, but it would be fun, and it would just be like fun matchups. I mean, yeah, think it, about think about if Coastal Carolina did get put in as an eight seed and get to play Alabama. Yeah, it might end up being 50 to 14, but that'd be a hell of a fun game to watch. At the beginning, 
Yeah. <laughs> well, this is what I mean. Like, we're, like the Notre Dame Alabama game is we can't like every single year in a four team playoff. There's a blowout. It, almost both games are usually blowouts. The only games that never seem to be a blowout is Clemson versus Ohio State. Or the very first year when it was like Oregon, Florida. Even that was a blowout now that I look back on it. There are never four, like two good games. So I just don't understand how you think expanding it to eight is going to bring us four good games. I Okay, other than the Alabama game, that's going to be a blowout, which we could probably consider one versus eight. But I think two versus seven is a blowout. Three versus six is probably a blowout. Maybe the four versus five game is, is a close game. I just – I think you ruin what makes college football special, which is every single Saturday matters. A Michigan versus Notre Dame. Uh, first game of the season feels like a college football playoff game. You lose that when you put all these teams in. Well, yeah, but the way you look at it is, yeah, you have those matchups in the regular season just to fight for that fourth spot. And the, your top word today is blowout. And you keep talking about blowout. And that's what because they are. Well, yeah, but college football needs to be fixed. We cannot continue on with this. Who wants to keep watching the same two or three teams every single year? Something's got to change. Yeah, I, I think something's got to change, and I, I forget the exact year. It's still like eight years or something like that with the current deal, six or seven years. So I, I would be surprised if it continues being these same four or five, six teams if they don't end up expanding it. Now, if they go – I personally, I think like 16 would be the max to me. If they If you start going more than 16, then, yeah, I'm with you, Jared. Then it does start to dilute the product. Personally, I think if you did a 16-team playoff – and then do another I, I would I would like lessen the amount of bowls. Only do another eight bowl games. So then the next sixteen teams or so, eight or nine bowl games, get into those bowls. So basically only if you're in the top whatever, thirty two, thirty four, you get into a bowl game. That would make the regular season mean more. Whereas, you know, if if you have all these red box bowl and the rivals tap house and grill bowl, then you know, team <laughs> You can go, you can go form like looking at some of these records in the bowl games. It's just ridiculous. Is it just me or is it every single year that the college football playoff comes around? You kind of convince yourself, like when you see like the 20 point Alabama versus Notre Dame spread, you go like, there's no way the one versus the four team can be that much better. Like Alabama could be that much better. And then you just look at these guys and on Notre Dame side, you have guys like Ben, Ben Skoranek, who is apparently like a transfer from Northwestern as their number one receiver. And then you have, Alabama, who literally has a whole wide receiver room of first round talent. Like, I don't understand how the gap gets that big. I, I, maybe I'm just an idiot. I don't understand how it becomes that like much of a gap. Yeah, I no answer. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it just like I understand? Like, I get that they get all these recruits, but how is there not one team each year that can play that four spot that puts together like all the magical pieces and can at least put up a fight? It just like every single year. There's no yeah. fourth fourth team. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just a. Uh, it could be like a mindset thing. Do you think some teams even go in thinking that? I mean, they're, you're going up against like uh, oh, like a David and Goliath type of thing. You know, like you you know you have to play basically a perfect game to beat Alabama, and the first time you have a three and out, or the first time you throw an interception, it just kind of snowballs from there. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Well, well, I don't I, know, so you, well, well, when you see like. Like what I, my favorite thing about the Najee Harris hurdle is that it's <laughs> right in front of the Notre Dame sideline. <laughs> like, I don't understand how you can see that and then like trot back out of the field and think like we're going to win this game. 
And it wasn't just the hurdle. You know, a lot of guys hurdle and then they get hit and, you know, then they get tackled. He hurdled and then ran for another 40 yards. <laughs> yeah, he never broke stride. It was amazing. <laughs> it, was, it was like child's play. Yeah. It, was like, it, was, it was just like another day in the office. And yeah. You know, great. wrapping up the brackets from my end, I could go along with what you're saying, Matt, but I really think the natural progression is eight. You know, uh, if you do get into the 16-team bracket, you're probably going to see even more blowouts. But I think eight's the legitimate number to go from where we're at right now. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I think eight, eight, and then only like you know eight to ten more bowl games. Right. So there, so you you are fighting in the regular season, even if you know you're not. Maybe you're out of the playoff picture. You're still fighting to get into one of those bowls and get that get that bowl money and exposure and stuff like that for your program. So I, I think we all can agree that probably at some point they are going to change something. If we want to move know- on real quick from. Uh, from the college football playoff, the other thing up there in the in the headline is that Harbaugh extension, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you guys saw that. I, I tweeted something out last night, and it kind of blew up a little bit. I didn't I didn't think that this was going to be the one to blow up, but I just threw <laughs> I just threw I saw out that like as well. A, I was kind of shocked. Yeah, I, I basically threw out a hypothetical, and um, you idiot. Know, that, yeah, yeah. The news <laughs> kind of broke that I, I forget who it was initially who broke it. I think it was Bruce Feldman was the first one to send it out that. You know, there's been speculation for three weeks Harbaugh's going to sign an extension, but, you know, nothing for real has come out. And he said that – he basically tweeted out that it it's confirmed that they're at least, like, moving towards an extension is essentially what he said. So I just threw out the hypothetical. Do we think that Jim Harbaugh – or do we think that Ryan Day right now is a better coach than Jim Harbaugh or – was Ryan Day basically handed the keys to a Ferrari and all he had to do was drive it straight down the road is essentially what I said. And I I would say it was, I would almost say it was like split half and half. I think a lot of people said, no, like right now, Ryan Day's only been a coach for a couple of years. You can't say he's a better coach than Harbaugh. And then the other half was like, are you kidding me? You're an idiot. What are you doing? You're a Michigan clown. Ryan Day is far and away a better coach than Jim Harbaugh. And stuff like that and i was you know i'm fine with that i'll i'll gladly i mean you tweet some out you better be ready to get you know take some shots like that i just i'm I'll, so i'll say what what my feelings what and then i want to hear what you guys think right now where we sit i understand that jim harbaugh and what he's doing at michigan it doesn't look great right now but to say that ryan day is a better football coach than jim harbaugh i'm just not there yet because i can look at what he did at stanford what he did in the nfl he has had some success at Michigan. I know it hasn't been great, but he has done pretty good at Michigan. And you can't ignore the fact that Urban Meyer built the Buckeyes, really Jim Trestle, and then Urban Meyer built the Buckeyes into a, a dynasty and basically just like gifted it to Ryan Day. Now he has kept it going, so you have to give him credit, but I'm not ready to say that he's a better coach than Jim Harbaugh right now. I, I 100% am, and I, I hate to say, I hate to say it, but I, I'm going to jump on the guy who commented that you are a clown, and I'm going to kind of. Here's what was almost like the most depressing thing of all of bowl season. I look at Mac Brown, who is like Ted's age, probably younger than Ted. If I'm I think honest. older, I think older. <laughs> yeah, and he goes in North, a North Carolina program that was a doormat in the ACC for years. And in two years, he has them almost beating the team that everyone's saying should have been the, the fourth team in the college football playoff in a huge bowl game. Like Jim Harbaugh couldn't do that. Ryan Day 
has kept the, the wheels running at Ohio State is recruiting just like Urban Meyer did. There's a reason that Urban Meyer, they didn't even have a coaching search. They decided, yep, this is the guy. Like, it's because he is so obviously just a really good coach and just so much better than Jim Arbaugh. I don't know how you can even have the the conversation when Ryan Day is like average margin of victory against Jim Harbaugh is like 400 points. It, it, <laughs> you just you can't. I understand like what where you're coming from with everything, but Jim Harbaugh kind of had a pretty load. I know that we like to shit on Brady Hoke, but Jim Harbaugh's best seasons were when he took over from Brady Hoke. And since then, he's kind of ran this program into the ground. So I don't know. He probably would have done the same thing at Ohio State somehow, some way. Here, uh, here's my take on it. And, and you start off with the, the Hope players that Harbaugh inherited and, and Harbaugh's whole mindset back in those days. I would say uh, the medicated Harbaugh of today, I'd, I'd give the nod today, okay? I'd say Ryan Day's a better coach. If, if the psycho Jim comes back somehow, then I think – there's still hope. And I think I would go with that Harbaugh, you know, the Harbaugh that had the success in San Francisco, the Harbaugh that really the first few years of his program down there at Michigan, other than a couple of bad breaks had a hell of a run going for a while this year, boy, I don't know what the hell went on. Maybe it was the COVID thing. We saw it with other programs, but to flat out say, who's a better coach. And if I had to make my pick, uh, I would probably say Ryan day. So you guys have moved on from Jim Harbaugh already. So I and I know that the NFL stuff is now what six, seven, eight years ago. So I get you know we're we're definitely in a what have you done for me lately society. But I just can't like just saying a flat better football coach. Ryan Day is great. I like that's one thing I said in some of the replies. I'm like I'm not saying Ryan Day is a terrible coach. You know it takes a lot. Like Josh Patel. He's up early again out there on the West Coast. He's, ch- <laughs> he's chiming in on the discussion. He said, you know, when Meyer left Florida, Florida kind of took a dip. So, you know, looking at what Ryan Day is continuing with Ohio State, you can look at it that way. You know, Florida didn't keep things going like Ryan Day has with Ohio State. So you can look at it that way, too. Um, but I just I can't just right away or just because of one bad season in 2020 by Michigan with Harbaugh say that he's just like a bad football coach. It seems like, you know, people immediately are, are so quick to jump off that Jim Harbaugh is a good football coach and immediately say that Ryan Day is better. I, I'm not there yet. I just, you know, I, I want to see what Jim Harbaugh can do with maybe some new coordinators. He does have a good recruiting class coming in. I know every offseason we say the same thing, but I, I'm, I'm willing to give Harbaugh a little more of a chance. Do you, you know, I could live with Harbaugh back for an extension of some sort. If that's what they go, I'll live with it. And, and I'll root for him. But, you know, it wasn't just 2020 for the Wolverines. If you look back at the two previous yeah. years and the last two games of both of those seasons, how can you be happy with Jim Harbaugh? Yeah. No, you you just can't. And it is a good point, the Florida thing, that when Meyer left, it's almost harder to, if you're taking over a program like where a, a legendary coach like Urban Meyer left, it would be so easy for those players to just turn on Ryan Day if he was a clown. Like, I almost feel like what would happen if, if Jim Harbaugh took over. This guy's running around with a shirt off at practice. He's, <laughs> you know, kind of a, a, a dick. Like, they would just turn on him. And, and they haven't done that for Ryan Day. You saw it with Oregon. After one year, as soon as Chip Kelly left, one year they were good, and then the program just fell right apart again. Yeah. Like, I, that's not happening with Ohio State anytime soon. Like it, he is one hell of a coach. I don't understand how you can argue it. X's and O's wise, and it seems like like they they don't ever have any scandals or problems. Like there's a clean program, and they win every game. Is is part of it though just that it's the Ohio State brand? Like 
I feel like if if uh, well, Steve Sarkeesian, let's just say, if Ale- or if if Nick Saban retired right now and they handed the keys over, and Sarkeesian didn't go to Texas, and they just gave the job to Sarkeesian, that Alabama brand, like I know Ryan Day can recruit. He's a good coach. He's probably a great coach. I get that. But a lot, you have to think that a lot of these kids are going to Ohio State because it's Ohio State. You know, like, yes, he is recruiting them, or some of those defensive coaches like Greg Madison and some of these other guys are recruiting these kids. But that, that brand is selling itself more than anything, don't you think? Like, I think that's a big part. Oh, I think it's a big part, but let's face it. When Bear Bryant gave up control, Alabama then went downhill. Uh, The cream of the crop coaches really do make a difference. And then when you put them with a prime program like Bama or Ohio State, then it's just a recipe for dominating college football. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe before we, unless you guys have a few more thoughts before the the last thing I want to ask you. So would you guys are bringing up, Sarkeesian in Texas you know one thing that I brought up in a couple of those uh you got Josh calling you a boomer Ted for bringing up Bear Bryant (laughs) (laughs) he's not wrong (laughs) uh with with Sarkeesian probably going to Texas or I guess he is going to Texas you know they go from Mac Brown who you brought up Jared they go from Mac Brown a couple years of Charlie Strong fire him a couple years of Tom Herman fire him and then they're bringing in Sarkeesian who yeah did he has turned his career around as you know the Alabama offensive coordinator but otherwise as a head coach Sarkeesian hasn't been any better than those previous guys that Texas had so like as Michigan fans would you rather have that kind of cycle like you know like kind of like what we were doing Richrod for a few years fire him Brady Hoke for a few years fire him and then you know maybe Jim Harbaugh for a few years fire him move on to another guy or would you rather give Harbaugh the extension and say, listen, you know, yes, it hasn't been pretty, but, like, you're you're building something. Let's give you a few more years, and I know you haven't beaten Ohio State, and they're rolling, but let's give you a few more years to, like, actually build a program instead of that every three, four-year cycle. New coach every three or four years. New coach every three or four years. Well, you know, I always was a big fan of Newt Rockney. That's for uh, Josh, by the way. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm on board. If they, if they bring back Harbaugh, we haven't seen anything officially yet, but if they bring him back, we'll, I'll just say we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Hopefully he can turn things over to a couple of really top coordinators and then maybe re- regain his head and be back in the fold. But I wanted to throw one other comment out. I'm, I'm really, really impressed with Matt Campbell of Iowa State, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't, I, it wouldn't hurt me at all if he came to Ann Arbor. No, that the one thing that like one, I don't necessarily understand why Michigan extended Harbaugh for like six years, but I guess I really don't care if they end up firing him after two years. That's their problem. That's not my problem. I don't really care, but I will say this. I don't, it makes me sleep a little bit better at night knowing that apparently the the next hottest coaching guy out there was Steve Sarkeesian. Like, thank right. God he extended Harbaugh. I didn't want him. And, and if he's the top guy that I think Texas probably gets a candidate before Michigan, I would think if like they were competing for the same guy. So that makes me feel a little bit better knowing that that's the best guy that was out there. Like that makes me very, very worried. Maybe they didn't even take a chance at Matt Campbell, but maybe they just thought Sarkeesian was their guy. But I think Matt Campbell is one uh, 10 times better coach than Sarkeesian. Right. Do we just, do we think that Harbaugh, we, we all know black Monday after the NFL regular season finale happens. So that, I mean, that's going to be tomorrow. 
Jets are probably going to have an opening. Jaguars, you know, a few other teams probably. Do you think that Harbaugh is waiting to see that, you know, see what kind of NFL teams? Or is he just kind of going by the beat of his own drum like he always does and he'll sign the extension whenever the hell he wants to? Yeah, I'm not sure how to answer that exactly, but I, I scratch my head to think that Jim Harbaugh right now still has NFL juice. You know what I mean? I mean, all that he's yeah. gone through. I mean, I, I can't imagine a team just shelling out the kind of money it would take to hire Jim Harbaugh to run your program. I mean, I, I just don't see it right at this point. I will, and I'll throw this out there just to, to sort of segue a little bit into just the Urban Meyer news, which is basically that he is going to the Jaguars. You guys only have yourselves to blame for this. You wonder why he's going to the Jaguars, why he's not picking the Lions, is because the Jaguars have this number one pick waiting in the wings where they're going to have Trevor Lawrence. Meanwhile, you have the Lions, who for the last 10 years have been spinning their tires at 8-8, 6-10, 7-9, and because of what you guys want, which is to them to try to win every single Sunday. And because of that, we missed out on potentially the next big thing in the NFL, which is both Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer. So you guys only have yourselves to think about that, to thank for that. Uh, but one more thing I'll throw about college football is Tom Rinaldi. Uh, first off, yeah. completely out of left field that he is gone. I, am I the only one that did not know that that was happening until all of a sudden I see it on Twitter, his like for farewell message? I mean, there there was like speculation for a few weeks, and then there there was they, – they did send out some emails uh, within the company that – some of the people that were going to be leaving and so and, and they said don't don't say anything public so he was on the list but I, you know I don't know like the details if it was more him but I, I do know that he has said he wanted to do some other projects you know like he was kind of not pigeonholed he was one of the best in the business or he is one of the best in the business doing college game day but he said that he'd like to do some other stuff probably like NFL with Fox or yeah. you know maybe when they have the World Cup he probably wants to do some World Cup stuff you know, maybe something like that, but yeah, uh, Rinaldi. I mean, he just he makes you like he can be he could be reading like uh, I don't know the night before Christmas, and he'd make you cry. Like, the dude, <laughs> the dude is just so good. Yeah, and it's unheard of uh, what ESPN allowed in the world of media. You don't you don't give that kind of send off to a guy that's going to the competition. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, so it was pretty classy. But, but that's what he, he like. From what I've heard, he's basically just like a pro's pro and. He, you mentioned his voice. He's got an all-time voice, and he's a great storyteller. I'm a little bit sad to know that back in, you know, you, got, you take things for granted. Back in 2019 was really the last college game day that we were ever going to see that was, like, full bore, 100%. Everyone was there. And that the college game day that we've always come to know. He's been there for 20 years. He's been there since the show started. Yeah. So it's sad to see him going, knowing that when college game day is 100% back to normal, it's not going to be the college game day that I 100% remembered when I was like a kid. And I know we're going long, Matt, but uh, being the ESPN guy, are you, uh, do you feel any any of the pressure? This is kind of an unfair question, but Fox <laughs> has really stepped up their game on Saturdays to compete against game day. I mean, I think it's definitely competition. And if anything, I mean, we know how it goes. Competition is a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if if they start really, yeah, stepping up their game with, with Urban Meyer on the set or, you know, with Rinaldi or some other stuff, it's only going to make game day want to improve in any way yeah. they can. But I think game day right now is just such the the staple of it, it is Saturday morning college football. I mean, it's kind of like Alabama. Like I said, like Alabama right now is just, you know, it, it's like the class of college football. That's college game day. So, but right. I mean, if, if, if Rinaldi starts doing stuff for them on, on their Saturday show and 
you know, they've got Urban Meyer and stuff, then yeah, they're going to have to just find other ways to improve, and they will. That's why yep. they keep winning Emmy after Emmy. They'll figure out ways to, to adapt. Well, one final comment from I'll me hold, before – go ahead, Jared. I'll just jump in real quick on that is I don't think that they have nothing to worry about. One, because Urban Meyer was just a flash in the pan that was basically the only reason I ever tuned into that show was because I knew he was on it. Uh, and he's pretty much gone. I think that it's there's a lot of speculation, but I would say he's pretty much gone to Jacksonville. Second is as long as you have Kirk Herbstreet and like Reese Davis and Desmond Howard and like, this the entire crew, like they're never gonna that they have such good chemistry and they just know their stuff. And how about Kirk Herbstreet? One last thing, this is a question for Matt: Is was there anything special? Like, did they really roll out everything for Kirk Herbstreet's call? Because I heard a lot of people saying like normally when they're broadcasting from home. Like, we saw it even on NBA opening night. Kevin Harlan was on, like, a little bit of, of a delay the entire time. But Kirk Herbstreit, it literally felt like he was in the studio at the game until they showed him sitting in, like, his home office. Like, it's crazy that technology can do that. And I don't understand why they don't just do that from now on. I mean, I think that's the thing. We talked about it before. I think they're finding that they might be doing this more often because they've been forced to figure out ways to do it, you know, cause Kirk had to stay home. And yeah, we, we saw some pictures. I think, I think a couple people tweeted some stuff out of his setup and I did, I remember him mentioning it and they did talk about it in some production emails and stuff like that, that they did send legitimate like production companies to his house to <laughs> set up. He had like eight monitors. Yes. Yeah. You know, they, they installed like, you know, fiber internet, you know, the, the fastest internet you can get, you know, during the broadcast, you, you could tell a, a touch of a delay between him and Fowler, but right. I mean, compared to some of the other broadcasts where there's like a clear two or three second delay. I mean, for the most part, that, that broadcast went off without a beat. I mean, Fowler and Herbsey are the best in the business. So, I mean, I mean, they're, I don't know. You, you could almost not yet not tell the difference. Yeah, it was outstanding. My, my final comment on this whole segment, you know, we talked about Rinaldi leaving, uh, Mike Golick Sr. also made his last broadcast, but I wanted to talk. I was in the car a little bit for some of the games, and I caught uh, Golick Jr. doing color commentary on the radio. You know what? He's he's really good. He, he did yeah. an outstanding job, I thought. He's got a big future. Yeah, he is good, and, you know, he obviously – you know, he learned, learned from his dad and everything, but he brings a little of the, the, like, I bet, you know, Jared's generation. Yeah. He bring he, he's good in the booth. He's not just up there clowning around, but he does bring a little bit of the like younger generation flavor to it. So, so yeah, I think he's going to be good. Yeah. I like him. He, he's good. I, I haven't really heard him call a game yet, but I, I do like him so far, at least from what I know from when he was on like uh, go look and Wingo and shows like that. Yeah. All right. Anything else on uh, college football or anything? Nope. I think we covered it pretty well. Cool. So uh, everyone out there on Locker Room, yeah, we're Three Point Podcast. You can follow us on social media at Three Point Pod. Just look up uh, Three Point Podcast on all your podcast hosting sites to find the podcast. And people on uh, on the podcast, we're recording on on Locker Room. So we're going to be doing this more. Download Locker Room, and it's a free app to download and sign up. And you can join in, and you can even hop on and talk to us if you want. So. So, yeah, we'll be doing this more. All right, fellas, another great segment there on the locker room. It was very cool talking about college football. Very cool to see that we're going to have a great championship matchup with Ohio State and Alabama. 
Can't wait for that one coming up a week from Monday. Uh, before we get to a little tedertainment tonight news, just want to tell you about Rivals Taphouse and Grill, the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. Keep supporting them by calling in your takeout orders. That's Rivals Taphouse and Grill in Corona at the corner of M21 and State Road. Also, Sheridan Auction Service always has a wide variety of items in real estate on the docket. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com and check out their brand new warehouse at the bottom of Ute Hill by Baker College in Owasso. You won't be disappointed. Nelson House Funeral Homes, their top goal is to serve the families in our community. The number one priority, caring for our friends and neighbors and being right there when you need them the most. More info on the web at nelson-house.com. All right, guys, time for a little entertainment news. I know, Jared, you had a chance to watch uh, a show or two you want to talk about. Matt, I don't know if you had a chance to see much, but I want to start it right off with uh, my review of Wonder Woman 1984. Did you guys check that out at all? No. Uh, from what I've heard, it wasn't very good, but did you have to pay the premium to... I didn't, actually. I mean, since I subscribed to HBO on my cable system, I was able to get it for free. We watched it Christmas night. Uh, it's, it's kind of become a tradition for us now to go to the movies on Christmas Day. I don't know if you guys do that at all. Probably not you, Matt, with uh, Claire at home at 5. But uh, it kind of was cool to be able to watch a, a first-run movie on Christmas night. Now, I I wasn't overly impressed, I'll be honest with you. It was using one of Matt's terms. Meh. You know, Kristen Wiig, I thought, was miscast as uh, the sidekick in this one. All I could think about was her soft-talking character on SNL. Uh, I thought... The young Diane stuff that they did at the beginning was very cool. They could have expanded on that. Uh, what is it, Gal Gadot? Yeah. She's one of the most attractive women I have ever seen. So <laughs> that's worth watching it in general. But I on the three-point podcast ranking scale, out of three, I'd give it a 2.0 out of three. It's watchable, but a little bit of a disappointment. So as far as I, I know, I said before that I'm not a huge like superhero fan or whatever like the marvel marvel movies or whatever like you wouldn't say would, would you say it's up there with like the avengers and stuff like that or it's just kind of a middle of the road i think it's yeah i think it's middle of the road i i mean the first wonder woman i thought was really good did you think so yeah Jared? i like the first wonder yeah. woman but this one definitely was a step below was, I, I thought the writing was pretty bad and like i said i just couldn't i couldn't Kristen wiggs a great actress and you know she's a, a funny comedian but i just thought she was completely miscast here and did, it, it just it bothered me. I'm surprised that the fact that this was set in 1984 didn't immediately make it like a three-star movie for you. Like, that, <laughs> the, the nostalgia, was it not, like, it didn't really it feel didn't like the 80s no, or what? No, it didn't really. I mean, it didn't really kick in about the 80s, to be honest with you. So, I mean, I, I'd be interested in your take if you guys watch it, you know, what you think about it. Another one on my list, I'll let you get to yours here in a second, Jared. Uh, we watched on Netflix this this show called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Now, I'm not going to come out here and explain that you need to watch this because I'm not sure you would enjoy it, Jared. I'm not even sure Matt would, but I think he might. This was uh, Chadwick Boseman's last uh, film yeah. know, before he passed away of cancer. And it was basically Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's about this lady from the Depression era, this black singer, uh, was probably the most popular blues singer in that era. And it was... It was a film of a play, if you know what I'm talking about. It was basically the, the stage adaptation of this play, which was pretty popular on Broadway, and they filmed it like a play. So it was definitely different to watch. A lot of dialogue, but I thought Bozeman's uh, acting performance 
if, if he's eligible for an Academy Award, I think he ought to win it because he was incredible. That's the movie where the scene where she like wants a Coke right before yes. she. Okay. Yep. So I, my mom was watching that and I, I was intrigued, believe it or not, from that one scene where basically, like you said, she was what, a blues singer. Blues or, singer in the Depression and, era. like And she was basically 30s. getting forced to you know record songs and she said all that she wanted was like a Coke before she would sing. And it was a whole ordeal getting the Coke before she would even start. So I thought that was a very good scene. So is this based on a true story? Like this is a, a real, I mean, yeah, a, a true story? Yes, yeah, it is based on a true story. And like I said, if you want to watch, it's very intense. It's very intense. I won't give away any of the ending or anything, but it's it's really intense. The acting was incredible. And, and like I said, uh, Bozeman there, he should win an Academy Award for his performance. That's fair. One, uh, The one show that I had that just actually just came out on New Year's Day, New Year's Day excuse me, uh, season three did it, excuse me. Uh, speaking of the 80s, it's uh, Cobra Kai, which mm. I have a love-hate relationship with the show. It, one, just like a couple of the critiques I have is, one, karate is – this is something that maybe I just know because my brother is super into the, like, jujitsu and stuff. Karate is just an absolute, like, joke in terms of, like, defending yourself. It's more of, like, a performing thing, whereas if a guy has – if it's, like, a black belt and like, jujitsu, he would just put a guy who knows karate in an absolute pretzel. Um, that's one thing. Two is, like – Basically, the whole point of this show is ba- battling. It's Johnny Lawrence, who was the villain in Karate Kid, and it's um, what is the uh, I don't even remember what the Nathan or so, I don't know whatever whoever the the main guy was in Karate Kid, who's the good guy. Um, and they basically open up their own competing dojos. Cobra Kai is Johnny Lawrence's, and he's kind of like an anti-hero a little bit. Like, the way that they pitched the show uh, in an interview I heard of them was basically that he's like bad Santa, pretty much. It's kind of what his character is a lot like. You know, he's a drunk, but he's also kind of a good guy. Uh, but And I don't know, maybe I shouldn't give away the ending of Season 2 and how it leads into Season 3, or I'll just say the spoilers ahead on Matt. Well, I guess, Matt, are you interested in the show? Should I spoil it for you? No, just, yeah, real quick, Karate Kid, I, I love Karate Kid. I mean, that's one of my favorite movies from when I was a kid, and I haven't watched it now in a while, but it is one of my favorite movies, and honestly, when I saw Cobra Kai come out, I was like, oh, cool, you know, this, this could be fun, especially with, you know, the original actors and stuff, but honestly, like, I, maybe it's because everyone started talking about it on social media, like, it was amazing, I'm almost out on it, because I just feel like it would ruin Karate Kid for me, so... So no, go ahead and spoil away. And Ralph Macchio. Here's what I'll say: to my mind. is first the first season and the second season and like the majority of the second season were very good. Like the show has a lot of cheesy parts to it. Like it's almost like I almost feel like the show is made for like a ten year old kind of, and I feel a little bit embarrassed to be watching it at some points. But there, so at the end of season two, I'll just say a spoiler right here. At the end of season two, the main kid character um, ends up like basically becoming like paralyzed during a school fight where the two dueling karate dojos are like fighting each other. And then the start of season three is how he's like, coming back to life, and they're still running their dojos, like they're still competing for this all valley tournament. Like no, once that happens, where one of these kids gets their back broken in school and is paralyzed, like I don't think that you guys are going to go back to just everyday life preparing for this all valley tournament. Which is basically what happens. And it's just like, it's stuff like that that's a little bit like that. Like karate is like the biggest thing in the world in this show. And you just know that karate is like, it's nothing really. So they go from the kid being paralyzed to a full season of competition after that for season Pretty eight? much them just acting like nothing happened and they're going right back to preparing for this tournament. Like it's just. I do have one question I'm intrigued with because I did, like Matt, I think we all enjoyed the first karate kid. I'm not sure about karate kid two or three, but. Uh, 
did the first episode of Cobra Kai did it did it pretty much suck you in? I mean, did, did... I thought so. I love Karate Kid. Uh, that was that's one of my favorite movies uh, growing up. I've seen it probably ten times in my life, and it does because it kind of it almost spins it in a way that makes. Uh, and again, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but my Ralph Macchio that makes him like a villain in a way Damn that like son. it kind of, it views it. Yeah. It views it from his point of view and you actually, and the guy's a good actor. Like that's kind of the thing is he's, he's kind of a really likable guy, but you also hate him at the same, like he's just, he does a very good job in the main role. Hmm. Might have to check that out. Uh, you know, and I know we're, we're a little long in the podcast, but so what this is, this is a special segment here because it was a, a long holiday couple weeks and i had a chance to watch along with sports some other shows this one uh, i i kind of got sucked into because of my wife i'll blame it on her and i know matt you like the show new girl which also was enjoyable i haven't got my way all the way through that but somehow some way i made it through seven seasons oh of the gilmore girls finally made it to the end think about this fellas 153 hour-long episodes I think I started watching it. Two, oh I think I started watching it two years ago. You know, every once in a while, I don't know how you, what your guys' Netflix viewing is, but every once in a while, you'll say, oh, okay, let's check out an episode of yeah. this. You know, and you just click on it. But 153 episodes. But I, I thought it was, you know, for a kind of a, a chick show, it was it was really good. It was worth watching. I, I enjoyed it. I'd give that one uh, 2.5 out of three. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Back to that for a second. 2.8 out of three. Um, uh, here's one you guys I both think would enjoy. It's on Netflix. It came out of nowhere. I just happened to click on it. It's called Long Shot. And it's kind of along the lines of Dateline and 48 Hours. You know, it's kind of a mystery thing. It's a short documentary. It's only about 44, 45 minutes long. It's about this guy in L.A. His name is Juan Catalan, Hispanic guy. He got arrested for a murder that he did not commit. And uh, if you decide to watch it, this one I do give a high recommendation. Both you guys, I think, would enjoy it. Um, there's a twist on it from Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'll just tell you that. I won't give away any secrets on it. But Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David ties into this. So check out Long Shot on Netflix. Uh, I give that one 2.8 out of 3. I mean, it's very good, very well done. Here's one I'm going to give a 3.0. Top ranking on Showtime. It's called Belushi. It's the biography of John Belushi. It was unbelievable. Fantastic. A lot of never-before-seen footage. I don't know if either one of you guys are John Belushi fans of any sort of... Chicago native. Okay, before your time, obviously, but you're, you're aware of him. Tremendous on the original cast of Saturday Night Live. Moved into the movies. Died at 33 of a bad drug overdose. But this documentary... I couldn't give it any higher praise. Tremendous on Showtime. I have seen people talk about that, and I, I would be interested in watching that because, like you said, all the behind-the-scenes footage and stuff, it, it would be it would be good to see. But hearing you uh, mention Gilmore Girls, that just takes me back to, like, <laughs> high school and college because that show, like, when it was airing, was huge. So many girls when I was in college would talk about watching Gilmore Girls. So it's cool that you watched it, though. Yeah, and that's like uh, classic. Like I could see Matt, like, oh yeah, I watched it for research purposes, you know, to make sure I was up with the lingo with the girls. When actually he probably was, him and his uh, roommates were probably watching it every Tuesday night. <laughs> well, you liked how I set it up with saying my wife made me watch it, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's intentional. A <laughs> uh, couple more guys. Uh, Shit's Creek. You heard me talk about it before. And that Shit's how Creek. much TV do you watch? I, I tell you what, are you in the lot. middle of, like Game of Thrones too? Oh yeah, I, that was on my list here too. I'll just I'll make the the rest of this real quick hits. Okay, Shit's <laughs> Creek spelled S 
C H I T T. I mean, holy smokes! It's impressive. I, I'm not gonna lie; it's impressive. I just gotta tell you, Roland shit. That's uh, that's enough said. That's one of the characters, Roland shit. <laughs> so <laughs> check it out. Uh, back to uh, Jared, your favorite Yellowstone. I finally finished three seasons. Uh, season three cliffhanger and all timer. Got to give that two point eight out of three. Uh, here's one. I've I don't know if I've ever done this before. The Grinch. My wife's a huge Grinch fan, you know. Not the Jim Carrey, but the original cartoon. But NBC came out with a musical, like a Broadway musical called The Grinch Musical. I just got to tell you, it was horrendous. (laughs) I've never turned off a show after 20 minutes. But I looked over to my wife. I said, do you want to continue watching in this? And she was right with me. We bailed out. And I looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes this morning. It was certified rotten at 13%. (laughs) So I'll say that. I saw a lot of people say the same thing, that the Grinch musical is terrible. So, yeah, I, I'm glad I didn't watch it. No, you didn't like want to Grinch waste too. your time. I'm out on everything Grinch. I just The Jim Carrey Grinch used to just scare the bejesus out of me when I was a kid, and ever since then I just do not like the Grinch. I don't like the story. I don't like the people that live in the town of Whoville or whatever. <laughs> I just Everything about that just it just is not for me. And you did bring up Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, I, I'm season six, episode eight, still working my way through. I got to give it a 2.9 out of 3. I mean, I think Game of Thrones is fantastic. I know, Matt, you're you're just not going to tune into it, but it is really, really good. How does it not ruin the show for you knowing that the ending is absolutely terrible? Like, do you know the ending at all? I do. Which yeah. is basically that none of these characters really even matter. Don't you for, don't don't you remember? I watched the final season before yeah. I watched any of the so rest of So how does that not ruin it? Just <laughs> knowing that literally all this buildup, all this is literally – for nothing. I, it's like there, I get what there's you're nothing saying. there. I get what you're saying, but it's every episode that I've watched so far when I started at the beginning, that's what I'm rating it on like right Like this now. huge threat of White Walkers. No, in actuality, they're just a bunch of idiots. Like, it's <laughs> kind of funny how that works. <laughs> All right. Uh, I do want to say this, too. I'm making my way through The Sopranos on uh, oh HBO On Demand. Uh, I'm on episode three of the final season, episodes, or uh, season six. Where do you... I kind of, I almost want to be a, just a fly on the room in your living room Three? for like a week and just see your viewing. <laughs> I feel like when HBO or like a TV, like you know how they track TVs, uh-huh. you're like their golden goose. Like we got to make sure that we put a sensor in this guy's TV to see what he's watching. You, know, you, you bring up a good point there because I do find myself watching, for the most part, shows that become very popular or the critics really like i mean there's a few exceptions like i said the grinch i started to watch it but i bailed out and like matt said that seems to be the consensus so i think i should be the guy that they ought to send me these uh previews yeah right so i can watch them before everybody else not a bad idea maybe it's something you can uh I'll try to use this uh, platform to see if you can uh, get a few things a little bit early. Absolutely. I will tell you this, guys. Uh, I was in the garage. I have a little TV in the garage. That's how nutty I am. And I, it only it's hooked up to an antenna. And I'm, I'm cleaning out some things in the garage, and I have it on, uh, I think it's the local NBC affiliate during the day. And we all know about Jerry Springer, right? The Jerry Springer show where, you know, chicks are hitting each other with chairs and crap like that. Well, I didn't realize that. He also has a show syndicated called Judge Jerry Springer. I didn't know that either. Oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. Kind of like a takeoff of uh, the people's court. And just seeing Jerry Springer in the robe and and making verdicts on people. Uh, That one on the three-point podcast rating, you can't rate that. That's not rated. (laughs) (laughs) Jerry Springer is definitely that show that, like, you don't want to admit that you enjoy watching it because you feel 
white trash or something. Oh yeah. If you start watching a show and you like you get kind of hooked on the characters, you it is kind of entertaining. Like it is actually entertaining to watch these people, but then you almost feel bad because you're like, this is actually kind of sad. Yeah, it it is. I'll <laughs> piggyback off that. They, I do watch them uh, occasionally from time to time. They used to be the show. I remember one time. Uh, summer after like football practice, probably when I was like middle school, me and my buddies were all at my house, uh, and we were all watching Jerry Springer. And I remember my mom came in, and I was grounded for about a week when she saw that we were all watching that. So <laughs> I do remember that, and I also remember, um, not remember, but just compared to like um, Judge Joe Brown or Judge Judy, I would much rather watch Jerry Springer or Maury. Like I think they're just a lot more funny than those two. I feel like that is a lane that Judge Judy has not been. Come, she has a monopoly going. I don't think she's that funny. It's time to bring somebody else into that realm and to take over that show. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I think that uh, she is out. You know, her contract's done, and she's starting up uh, on a different network or something, syndicating uh, under a different name. But you're right. I think Judge Judy had its place, but uh, as far as being funny, I, I don't think it's that funny anymore. You know? No. All right, one final thing, I guess, on this, guys. Uh, it's radio-related. The Howard Stern Show, Howard signed for another five years. Yay, amen. Three out of three. He's the king <laughs> of all media. <laughs> all right, uh, before we get to our final segment here, we'll just wrap things up on the show with some uh, potpourri. I want to tell you about Advanced Elevator Company. They have the best expert field technicians for troubleshooting, repair, and installation of elevators, an area business leader, and a huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools. Speaking of Corona, the CoronaConnection.com. They know it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CoronaConnection.com. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing. They're a mortgage and land contract services company focusing on your success. Led by Jim Woodworth, SGMS Mortgage provides one-on-one -on -one service with a personal touch in downtown Owasso. Call for an appointment, 989-720-4380. Find more information on the web at successgroupmortgage.com. Also, Hankard Sportswear, the area's top clothing and more printing business located in the heart of Owasso. Follow them on Facebook at Hankard.Sportswear. And, guys, I didn't talk to you about this, but I want to throw this in there kind of as a public service announcement. You know, my, my good buddy and longtime broadcast partner, Chris McMillan, passed away in 2019, or 2019 of ALS. And I just want to give a, a plug out there for the ALS Association Michigan chapter. If you're thinking about hopping on a charity, man, think about a contribution in 2021. Every 90 minutes, someone is diagnosed with ALS. You know, for more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org it's uh it's just a terrible terrible disease that they need to find some sort of cure for which right now there is no cure so hop on board there guys before we wrap up the program you know we were we were going to talk about it we've been running a little long but briefly briefly on our Big Ten basketball teams, Michigan and Michigan State. State just came up with a win Saturday night. We're recording this on Sunday morning. They finally had a bounce-back win on the road against Nebraska, but they're they're struggling a little bit right now. Thoughts on the Spartans here in the early portion of the season? Opening thoughts are, just on Michigan State, I don't understand how they can start the season as well as they did, winning just huge games against big-time programs. Duke. Yeah, and then just enter Big Ten play and just basically shit the bed like they have. And the only reason, really, way to explain it is that the Big Ten, we don't talk about it enough. It's so good in basketball every single year. And it's like it's funny how it's like currently in the standings, Michigan State's at the bottom of the standings. Think about and that. then you have teams like Michigan where 
there at the top, and then you got Iowa and all these other guys, and Luca Garza just in my eyes, he came out of nowhere. Like I know he was a big time player last year, big time player of the year, but just in terms of like national spotlight and just what a superstar this guy is, he's just came out of the map this year. Is probably the best player in college basketball, and then you have Michigan basketball, who just according to John Beeline, according to a lot of people who know some things, think that this team could be legitimately a Final Four uh, team. Yeah, I think Michigan, and, and it's not like trying to hype up the team too much or the, the maize and blue blinders or nothing like that. This Michigan team is really good, and but we know that it all comes down to March, like how are you playing in March. And that's my thing with the with how Michigan State is playing right now. They they go through, yes, they, they started off the Big Ten season bad. I mean, they started off 0-3. But Michigan, Izzo's teams always kind of have this lull. I mean, Ted, you're the biggest Izzo slappy <laughs> state of Michigan, so you know that very well. They always, even if they start off great, they always have like a little stretch for like two weeks. Even last week with, or uh, last year with Cassius Winston, they had like a week or two lull where they lost some games and were kind of, it was almost like the, the dog days of summer type of thing. Michigan State basketball always has it. And, you know, will they turn it around this season? I guess we'll see. But, you know, usually Izzo has them playing fine come March. But I think, like, the biggest thing is Big Ten basketball, it's kind of the same with Big Ten football. It's like a different style of play. You know, like, I watch a lot of SEC basketball, obviously, down here, and a lot of ACC basketball, too. And watching Big Ten basketball, it is a different style of play. So I think that that's why, like, you see teams like, you know, Michigan State, they went against Duke and their non-conference schedule, and they were running guys off the floor and playing great. Then you get to Big Ten basketball, and it is a little more physical. You do play teams like Wisconsin who wants to slow it down. Or, you know, you got a guy like Luca Garza just down in the paint, just banging away. So, so, you know, I think that comes into play. The Big Ten is also really good, like you said, Jared. There's a lot of really good teams in the Big Ten. So, so I'll be curious to see. I, the, the winner of the Big Ten, what, might end up with like four or five conference losses. Who knows? Yeah, you know, I, I think that Michigan's for real, but I did tweet it. I mean, people are getting a little carried away. It is still early in the season, and you're exactly right as far as the comment about Michigan State and Izzo. Yeah, they're going to bounce back. They're in a bad spell right now, but if you want to win, if you want to potentially win an NCAA championship, it's better to be playing well in March than right now. The one thing I will say, sorry to cut you off, Ted, the one thing I will say I think we're seeing, and, I mean, everyone knew it coming in to the season, that they were losing Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman. But I think, like, we're really seeing how big of a deal it is losing a leader like Cassius Winston, obviously, but also a guy like Xavier Tillman. They don't really have a guy like that on this team. I mean, they're trying to go to, to uh, Aaron Henry. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't know if he's really that guy. They were hoping Josh Langford would come back and be a leader, but he's still kind of trying to find his way. They don't have a point guard like Cassius Winston. You know, I think – I think they're going to turn things around Michigan State, but I don't know if they're going to make a run because they don't have that Cassius Winston or Xavier Tillman type leader on this team, at least right now. No, you're 100% right on that. And, you know, back to Michigan for a minute. I mean, the big 7-1 freshman, you know, Dickinson, I mean, he's really made a big difference with that team. And they had the parts there anyway, but uh, with him – playing out of his mind and I think uh, with Juwan Howard his reputation coming in now he's got him rolling I mean it just looks the future looks very bright for the recruiting highlights. I'll say this we as Michigan fans it's almost like if we had like a stepson or something that was just like uh, you know he's like he's at West Point and he's just like a superstar kid but we have like a regular kid which is like Michigan football that we just wish is like kind of like a loser and a, and a deadbeat and we just love him so much that we almost kind of don't even 
notice the stepson who's just an immaculate guy. <laughs> uh, let's just appreciate Michigan basketball for yeah. how, how great they are. Yeah. It's, it, we, don't, we talk about Michigan football. We worry about Michigan football. At least we don't have to do that for basketball. Yeah, we don't have to stress out. I, I, but I will be tuned in tonight. We're recording, like I said, on Sunday. It's big Sunday night matchup against Northwestern. Should be a lot of fun to watch. All right, fellas, I think we made it through another podcast. Uh, Good stuff here today. We'll call it a wrap. Follow us. Let our partners know you listen in. They include Advanced Elevator, Chrono Connection, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5, The Castle. Speaking of The Castle, next Saturday, January 9th at noon on Z925.com, check out the live radio broadcast of the Three Point Podcast Bowl as New Lothrop travels to Motown to take on Detroit Lowell. <laughs> it's a Division Seven football regional championship game, and uh, Jared and I will be on the call. I haven't even talked to you about that. Bart can't make it, so it's you and I, the guy. All right. So, uh, yeah. The I, three- I was going to – sorry, I, I know we're running long. You're signing off. So that, that game is happening. You guys yeah. – no hiccups so far? This is going to happen? Right now it's going to happen. I did see – I think Oscoda was supposed to play – I forget what team, and they bailed out because they only had 13 players available that wanted to play. But I haven't heard much else. And so, yeah, right now, January 9th, New Lothrop and Detroit Loyola. All right. All right. Uh, we'll do it. Three-point podcast bowl. Love it. <laughs> All right. For Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel. Thank you again for supporting Three Point Podcast and our partners. Have a happy 2021, everybody. Three Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Mid-Michigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at Three Point Pod or by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.